draft season, fantasy coaches, and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. On today's show, I'll be joined by one of the most respected experts in the industry and one of the top five most accurate since we started keeping track of it in 2010. It's Jamie Eisenberg of CBSSports.com. Jamie can be found on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. And he's going to give us some insight on why he's high in certain players this year and which ones he's low on. So make sure to take some notes. Later in the week, we're going to have James Coe of NFL.com on for another show. And we're going to be doing the listener mailbag segment. So be sure to get your questions in to Bobby at FantasyPros.com or tweet me at BobbyFantasyPro. Also, we're giving away a Draft Wizard Hall of Fame package, which is the top tier package for Draft Wizard. If you want to enter the contest, leave us a rating and review. Then subscribe on iTunes, take a screenshot, and tweet it at Fantasy Pros, and tell us your favorite sleeper this season while you're at it. We're going to be randomly drawing from the entries, whether the feedback's negative or positive. We just want to know what you like and where we can improve. All right, let's jump into some football. now got Jamie with us. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jamie, so I was reading earlier today about an IDP draft that you participated in with Jake Seeley from Roto Experts. He was on the show with us last week. Do you think more leagues ought to use IDP players? Yeah, I certainly think, you know, if you're trying to increase the level of fun that you can have, you know, I, I think like the, the dedicated fantasy user, the expert that has been playing for many years, they're always looking for something different. You know, it started probably from going standard leagues to PPR and maybe two quarterback leagues. I don't know if you need to go to the extreme like what we do with our <laughs> IDP league where it's, you know, uh, a full defensive lineup. But I always wow. think it's fun to maybe add like three guys, you know, one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one defensive back. And it gives you a better understanding of the league. You know, everybody that plays fantasy, you know, is the offensive guys, but sometimes you miss out on those defensive stars. You're right. When you watch games and you have IDP players on your team, it's just so much more fun because uh, you can rack up points in, in so many different ways. I don't like the scoring system, uh, the, the standard scoring system in IDP leagues, but uh, you know, if you work with it, you can make it so that all different types of players have similar scores. And I especially like the sound of that, uh, that full roster IDP. That sounds brilliant, man. Yeah, it's, it's fun. You know, it's the only IDP one, full IDP one that I do. I do um, another couple different magazine drafts, uh, but we never end up playing it out, unfortunately. But uh, this one's been going on for several years, and the funny thing is it seems like the first-time IDP players like Jake, this is his first, uh, I, I think certainly of this level, but first time playing IDP, um, they're, they're the ones who usually tend to end up winning, <laughs> surprisingly enough. They, they just kind of <laughs> luck into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're not going to be talking about anything IDP uh, during this podcast, but I wanted to talk to you about some preseason in, uh, impressions that have been made. And I know a lot of experts don't really like to jump into it and say, you know, my opinion's completely changed on these players, but it appears that Spencer Ware is definitely the Jamal Charles handcuff after this first week. Uh, would you agree? What did you see from him in week one? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But the funny thing about the Jamal Charles handcuff is think where we were a year ago when it was supposed to be Nile Davis and everybody was yes. drafting him in, in, you know, the D'Angelo Williams range this year. You know, that, that mid-round pick thinking that, okay, if something happens to Jamal Charles, you have a stud. So I would caution people that Andy Reid tends to be a little, you know, quirky with us. But, you know, after the first preseason game and certainly after all the offseason reports and, and what we saw last year, you know, we had a good enough sample size that I think you'll see a shared situation if, you know, Charles, for whatever reason, has a setback with his knee or, or has another injury during the year. But you have to kind of go into it right now that where is the guy and, and he's certainly worth a late round pick, whether you have Charles or not. 
With all that in mind, would you consider Spencer Ware one of the most talented backup running backs in the league? Um, that's a good question. Uh, probably not in, in the upper echelon guys, but I think he's got a chance. You know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what his receiving skills are, you know, given a full complement of catching the ball. I don't think the Chiefs want to use him in that regard, and that's a big part of, you know, being one of the elite-level running backs these days. you got to be that dual-threat guy. Um, so, you know, we'll see if, if, if he would be able to, you know, take over that full-time role, that Jamal Charles role, because clearly he's one of the best dual-threat backs, you know, maybe in the last 10 years or so. So um, he, he's got a chance. You know, I, I think a lot of it is, is circumstance and situation, because playing for Andy Reid and, and, and what that offense has done, you know, since he's been there can be really successful. And another player that's been making a lot of noise this preseason, and he just had a nasty elbow scare, is Malcolm Mitchell, the rookie for the Patriots. Uh, he was really impressive in that first game, but does this preseason hype carry any weight? Not with that offense, you know, not as a rookie receiver. I think you look at what this offense has been traditionally, you know, since uh, when they transitioned from the Randy Moss era to that two tight end set, you, you know, with Rob Gronkowski and the guy who won't be named. Um, <laughs> you know, it uh, it, it kind of went from an offense that was outside in to inside out, and they do a lot of their plays, you know, in, inside the, the hash marks and take their shots on the outside when they need to, you know, whether it's guys running on the seam and, and kind of breaking off or, you know, a few shots on, on you know, to the guys in the perimeter. Uh, obviously, they would love to have a threat out there, and, and certainly Mitchell can be that guy. But, you know, with all the mouths to feed in that offense, especially adding a, a, a second tight end, the caliber of Martellus Bennett, you know, uh, clearly we're recording this on the day that, that Rob Gronkowski got hurt, you know, so we don't know really the extent of it. Hopefully he's fine. But assuming he's okay and Edelman's foot is fine and, you know, keeping Amendola on the roster, adding a guy like Chris Hogan, um, you know, Deion Lewis clearly out of the backfield and, 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 and Bennett, that's just so much that has to happen for, you know, Mitchell to, you know, be a, a consistent threat. Now, he can certainly have his moments. Uh, probably, you know, one of those guys that down the road could be a daily play option as opposed to a seasonal league option. But in dynasty leagues, he's certainly worth a shot and, and you just kind of see what happens. But, you know, it's unfortunate that he's not going to have Brady prime on. He's going to have Brady at the end of his career. And then we'll see if it's Garoppolo or whoever else they turn to when Brady's done. Now, how do you think Mitchell stacks up to those other rookie wide receivers for dynasty formats? I mean, does he even compare with Sterling Shepard? I don't think so. I, I, I think you look at Shepard's longevity with Eli Manning is a big part of it. You know, Mitchell on another team, let's say he ended up with the Colts, you know, or, or you know, the Packers or, or a quarterback that he can grow with. You know, who knows how much Brady has left? You know, I mean, you, you hope that there's no downturn like we saw with Peyton Manning. But if this is the end of the, the Brady era, and, and I, I could be two, three more years, but, you know, this is at the end. You know, we're, we're at the, the, the back end of his, um, yeah. his tenure. You know, it really is going to depend on, I think, who the next guy is there because uh, I, obviously they're not going to give up on, on Gronk. They're not going to give up on Edelman anytime soon. And, and that next quarterback coming in is going to have to be, I think, a big strong arm type of guy to put Mitchell in the right situations down the field where he could probably thrive. Well, the next segment we're going to do here, uh, I already mentioned in the intro about how accurate you have been as an expert since we started keeping track of expert accuracy. And uh, I just want to give our listeners a chance to hear about the guys that you're high on and low on. Uh, so this segment is called Bullish and Bearish, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the players that you're bullish on and the players you're bearish on. So let's start at the quarterback position, and I'm looking at the players you have ranked compared to the ECR, Expert Consensus Rankings, and you seem to be high on Tom Brady. Can you explain why you like him this year? Well, I, I think just kind of going back to what we just talked about, think about all those weapons that he has, you know, and, and what the... Red zone packages will be with those two tight ends. Uh, what Edelman can still do, you know, even with the foot injury. What maybe Mitchell provides. 
I think Chris Hogan's going to have some very good moments this year. I see a running game that is led by LeGarrette Blunt. I don't think that's going to be a very dangerous situation. Um, you know, Deion Lewis, if he had stayed healthy last year, just based on his 16-game projection, would have led all running backs in receptions. So wow. there's a lot to like about these guys, you know, just in terms of a receiving core. And you know what the narrative with Brady is at this point. Um, again, if he, if there's no fall-off, which, you know, he hasn't given any indication that there is, it's I've just missed four games of the season. I've got 12 games to assault the league and maybe challenge for an MVP again. And he was in the race with Cam Newton before, you know, Newton pulled away. So I think there's a lot to like about this. And, and, and one thing that's kind of sneaky with Brady, which you really haven't seen in the last couple of years, uh, weather has a lot to do with it, with how they sort of turn things around in, in the end of the year and become a little bit more run dominant. But they may be in a hole. You know, we haven't really seen Brady in a hole in a long time of that four game suspension. And maybe the team is 0 and 4, 2 and 2, you know, 1 and 3. And if they're chasing and, and having to win key games, in December, you know, maybe that's Brady doing a little bit more than we've seen the last couple of years, and that could pad his stats. You know, it's amazing to me that Tom Brady's sitting there at number 11 ECR quarterbacks. When, you know, going into the fantasy playoffs, he's going to be the number two or three quarterback in the league unless he falls off all of a sudden like Peyton Manning. That is a huge boost in your playoff lineup if you have a guy like that. You know, the other thing that's nice about it is because of the position. I mean, think about the guys you could replace Brady with just to open the yeah. season. And, and most leagues, you know, we're, we're seeing they're not necessarily drafting two quarterbacks. Obviously, you have to with Brady. But you can pair him with Stafford, who's got a great four-game schedule to open the season. Derek Carr, same situation. Tony Romo is falling into, you know, sort of borderline one-two range of, of, you know, how he's being drafted. There are a lot of guys you can use to get by Kirk Cousins, you know, as a guy that's, uh, you know, kind of looked at as a number two guy, borderline. So th there are a lot of guys you could just use with Brady to get by, and you should be in great shape. Now, the quarterback that you're low on, ECR Ben Roethlisberger is number six, and you have him at number 10. Why are you low on Roethlisberger this year? It's only recent. Uh, it's Ladarius Green situation. You know, when you take away Martavis Bryant, you take away Heath Miller, you potentially lose Ladarius Green for the year if he does decide to retire because of the headaches, and you lose Le'Veon Bell for four games. Roethlisberger's numbers at the end of the year should still be fine, but I don't think they'll be at the elite level that he could have been if he does have a tight end that capable capability of, of Ladarius Green and Le'Veon Bell for 16 games. So you look at the way Roethlisberger performed, his home road splits haven't exactly been ideal. And I think, you know, if, if you view it, um, there there are players that, that sometimes just have huge weeks and then sometimes they're just mediocre. And that tends to happen with Roethlisberger. A lot of it, again, is the home road splits. He still has a chance to be top five. I, I, I wouldn't put that past him. But with the receiving core, that's kind of getting stripped away of talent. And, and we saw it in the in the first preseason game. Sammy Coates maybe not materializing to what a lot of people are hoping. Uh, Marcus Wheaton we know is kind of just a guy. And Antonio Brown can only do so much. So I think Roethlisberger will still have some very good, if not great, moments. I still think he's definitely worth drafting as a starter. But I like the upside of Eli Manning better. I like the upside of Phillip Rivers better. And uh, as we just talked about, I think even Brady without the four games is still better. I love the concept that you hit on with – uh, Roethlisberger having a few real big games and not driving him up in, in the rankings. But, um, you know, he, he's not going to have as many uh, start-worthy weeks as, as a lot of other quarterbacks in that range. And and to me, that makes him avoidable in these draft situations. So uh, I'm glad that you gave our listeners some perspective on Big Ben that, that I think that they need to hear because um, his ECRs just seems too high to me. Yep, totally agree. All right, now moving over to running backs, one of the players that you're high on is Eddie Lacy. And you're the third straight expert I've talked to who really likes Eddie Lacy this year. He's trimmed down. You have him ranked as your number six running back. Can you expound on that a little bit? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, you know there, there's just a lot of things that are pointing in the right direction for him. Clearly, getting his weight in order. You know, whether it's being a slim, trim guy, which I don't think he'll ever be, or just being you know somewhat closer to what he was prior to last year. Uh, the schedule is amazing. Uh, the Packers have one of the best schedules you'll find. Look what they did this offseason. They clearly bought into him getting in shape and turning things around because all they did was bring back James Starks. They didn't address the position. They added actually to their offensive line. And this offense, you know, is going to put up numbers. So I think with everything that happened to the Packers last year, they have a very good opportunity to prove chip on their shoulder. You know, you don't want to use uh, intangibles like that to draft your fantasy team. But they're one of those teams I think you could point to because when Jordy Nelson went down, the offense kind of fell apart. Lacey was a big part of that, not being in shape and playing at the level he's used to. I mean, you look at his numbers prior to last year. They speak for itself. He's in a contract year. Um, my colleague Dave Richard made a great comparison, and I think it's uh, it's worth mentioning, and I try to say it whenever I can. Think about Doug Martin last year, guy that had a hard time staying on the field due to injuries. Contract year was right there. Schedule was very good, and he was the number two rusher in terms of yards. So I, I think Lacey's got a great bounce-back situation in front of him. If he can stay healthy, I think it's a, it's an easy guy to target in round two. Jamie, as I, as I was looking at your rankings and uh, seeing the guys that you're high on, it just confirms my biases and it makes me feel really good about myself because I know you know what you're talking about. When I see Eddie Lacy, he's one of the only three down running backs in the league that is, is going to get all of the goal line carries. I mean, you know he's going to get all the goal line carries and I love Eddie Lacy as a result this year. Another guy that I am very high on. Other people don't seem to agree, but I'm glad to see that you agree. Thomas Rawls. You have him as your number 11 running back, far above the expert consensus ranking of 15. So why do you like Rawls? Are you not scared of uh, Christian Michael or ProSize? I, I actually, uh, by the time this probably airs, I'll, I'll have a little bit of a rankings adjustment just because I haven't got a chance to do it from the first preseason game yet. Uh, so he'll drop a little bit. Um, it, it's kind of funny because if you listen to our podcast on CBS Sports, I've kind of been a yo-yo with Rawls uh, when it was, you know, before he was off the pup list. I had him in this range. Then it was he's still not practicing, dropped him down again, put him back up in this range again. You can't ignore Chris and Michael at this point. And, and, and again, we have yet to see really what C.J. Procise and his role could be, you know, if he's just going to be the passing downs guy, but that's still taking a guy like Rawls off the field. I have no problem with Thomas Rawls in the, you know, round three, four-ish range, depending on how your first couple picks go. But I don't think he's top 12 worthy quite yet, um, especially with Michael doing what he's doing. You know, so I don't believe Pete Carroll. I don't think it's going to be a, a 50-50 split. I don't think you're going to see, you know, Chris and Michael probably even get 30% of the touches. But even 20%, and then you factor in ProSize, it's enough to that if Rawls is struggling and Michael's rolling, that they keep him on the field. So he's still a, a, a starter cal- starting caliber running back. I just don't think that where I have him ranked is, is accurate right now. With the threat that Michael is, how high are you willing to draft him? Because right now he's going about in the 140s in drafts for his ADP. Would you be willing to sneak him into the top 100? Oh, yeah, he's going to be right there, you know, very close to it. And, you know, going back to your, you know, one of your original questions about Spencer Ware, I mean, they're, they're, they're the same type of guy. You know, when you start to, you know, I, I think there's two schools of thought and, and it depends on the type of fantasy owner you are. Do you have to handcuff your own guys or are you, you know, not really caring about that and you rather steal other people's handcuffs? And so if you're looking at it like, okay, who can I get that can maybe be a significant value? Spencer Ware is one of those guys. And I think Crystal Michael is one of those guys. So. You know, if you get to the point where you're comfortable with your starting running backs and you're looking for what we like to call lottery tickets, uh, that's the perfect lottery ticket because Rawls, ankle injury, he runs violent, you know, so that tends to lead to injuries. You know, he's one of those guys that talked about, I don't go out of bounds, I look for contact. And so if that continues and, and these injuries could potentially be a problem, 
Chris and Michael showed that he could be capable enough for them last year. He's looking capable enough for them right now and is certainly going to be in that conversation for a guy that could win you your league if, in fact, he gets an extended period of starting time. Now, if, if Michael does end up stealing the job or, you know, Rawls gets hurt and, and Michael runs away with the job, could we be talking about him in the first round next year? Is he that talented? I don't think so, you know, just looking at what their team could potentially be. But, um, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of fall off. Clearly, we're seeing right now, you know, you guys monitor this as, as well as anybody, where running backs are versus receivers and first round picks. You know, so Kristen Michael would have to have a Marshawn Lynch season for, you know, 16 games and, and then prove that, you know, Rawls isn't going to be a factor. ProSize isn't going to be a factor. Alex Collins is going to be a factor. You know, at some point, this team is going to start to have, you know, issues with their salary cap and what's going to be the, you know, focal point of their team. We're seeing it now. And so I, I think, you know, they've been able to get by and, and they will get by at that position with no money invested in it. I mean, Rawls was an undrafted free agent. You know, they got rookies at third round value or lower with ProSize. And, you know, Kristen Michael's a guy that they brought back off the street last year. So um, it, it's a good situation for them right now, but I don't see him, you know, he's going to have to be, you know, Hercules at this point to get into yeah. the first round. <laughs> All right, now on the opposite end for running backs, uh, you're not as high in Devontae Freeman as others. Is that because you think Tevin Coleman is, uh, is a, a threat, or do you think Freeman is just kind of dropped off a little bit? A little bit of both. Uh, you know, I, I think you look at Freeman, certainly in PPR leagues, he, he warrants a, a second-round pick by far. You know, he, he was great catching the ball in the backfield last year. I don't see Tevin Coleman doing that in, in – uh, in his role this year, but they they've talked about it, and you, and you look at what they were last year. You know, Tevin Coleman was their guy. They both had the the hamstring problems in training camp last year. the The first couple of weeks, it was Tevin Coleman's job, and then he had the rib injury, and Freeman took off, and he had that big three or four game stretch, and then really kind of struggled after his concussion. Now his fantasy production was still good, but his yards per carry wasn't good. You know, he was relying on scoring touchdowns to help his value. So I like the fact that they added Alex Mack. I still don't see a do dominant receiving core here, you know, even with the addition of Mohamed Sanu. Um, so I think Freeman's going to definitely play a role. But, you know, whatever percentage it is that he's coming off the field because Tevin Coleman does deserve more work, I think the Falcons realize, and, and you know, I got a chance to speak to Dan Quinn. I usually go to the owners' meetings every year. So Quinn told me at the owners' meetings this year, we want to have more balance in our backfield. And so if that happens, which you would anticipate that it does, We'll see how that impacts Freeman to a, a negative level. So he's still a uh, top 12 type of running back. Again, I'll make that rankings adjustment where he's ahead of Thomas Rawls. Um, and, and again, he's always been ahead of Rawls in, in PPR leagues. But I, I just don't think that he's a first-round guy, and I don't think that he's a top five type of running back. I'll tell you what, as a fantasy owner, I hate to hear that idea that they're going to split carries in the backfield. And it makes you just want to make sure – that you can get a couple workhorse guys. Is there anyone going in the mid-rounds besides a Jonathan Stewart uh, that you think is going to be a workhorse? I mean, have you heard Duke Johnson might get extra carries, anyone like that? I think you look at Rashad Jennings and kind of what he's, you know, doing right now. Um, not that that's a sexy name or, or somebody, you know, that people are going to look at and say, oh, wow, I can't wait to get Rashad Jennings. Um, <laughs> but this Giants offense, I think, is going to be special. Um, you know, you look at what they've done, adding Shepard, maybe getting Cruz back. Uh, they want to be more up-tempo, run more plays. Uh, obviously, you know what Odell Beckham is. Uh, Shepard clearly is a guy that looks like he could be a difference maker. And the Giants have said, you know, they don't want to go with this four-headed situation that, that they've dealt with the last couple of years. And Jennings, at the end of the season last year, four games with either 100 yards rushing or a touchdown, 100 total yards or a touchdown. So he's somebody they can get with good value. Um, we don't know what Arian Foster will be, but if he's anything close to, you know, what he was, 
Um, Adam Gaze's offense has produced very good numbers for running backs and certainly guys in catch the ball. So he's, you know, in that range. And, you know, depending on, you know, where you're viewing Frank Gore and, and, and what he is at 33, yeah, that's another offense that should rebound from last year because of Andrew Luck just being back on the field. So um, I, I think the nice thing about somebody like Gore is, you know, you can get Ferguson with a late round pick and, and just kind of see how this, you know, Colts offense goes. But I'm expecting a big bounce back here for Indianapolis. I was definitely scared off by Frank Gore's uh, small yards per carry totals. But um, when Luck was on the field, that was significantly better. Now, with Rashard Jennings, you talked about those last four weeks of the season, 432 rushing yards. So I don't think that the Giants are going to be giving the ball to anyone else. He's going to get his chance. And I think he's talented enough to uh, to grab the job on lockdown. Um, so where he's going in the drafts, I agree. I, I really like him uh, at 82 ECR. Uh, now, the other player I want to talk about, and this one's really intriguing to me. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have to say, is Matt Forte of the Jets. A lot of people have been high on him, but you're the first one I've seen uh, that's low on Forte. And you also have Blyle Powell currently eight spots behind the ECR. So what is it about the Jets offense uh, that you're not especially fond of right now? I, li- I like the Jets offense. I-, I just get nervous about a 30-year-old running back changing yeah. teams for the first time. <laughs> After eight seasons, um, you know, the numbers kind of speak for itself. Eight years, uh, the number of carries that he's at, number of touches that he's at, they, they tend to lead to breakdowns. And you're seeing it maybe a little bit now, you know, having the hamstring problem, not able to practice. And if you were to describe Bilal Powell, you would say kind of like a junior version of Matt Forte, a guy that can run between the tackles, have some success, certainly good catch in the backfield. And look at what they paid these guys. They paid them almost identical salaries. So Powell last year, when you had – Chris Ivory running for 1,000 yards, 30 catches. Powell, when he got healthy from an ankle injury, basically replaced Ivory as you know, their featured guy, or it was very close, you know, depending on uh, you know, how you view the carry breakdown. So I don't see a situation where Matt Forte is getting 90% of the touches or even 80% of the touches. I think it's closer to 50-50. And then you factor in whatever Kyrie Robinson may bring as a goal line guy. Uh, I, I just don't think Matt Forte in round four is worth it. Um, he, he's, he's very ner- nerve-wracking for me. You know, so if I get him in, in round six, I'll take it. I know I'm not getting him in round six, so I'm not going to get him. So I'd rather just, you know, take a chance on Powell later and just see how it all unfolds. Now let's jump over to the wide receivers, and then we'll finish it up. Uh, the three guys that I want to talk about that you're high on are three guys that I'm especially fond of this season. We'll start with Dante Moncrief. Everyone seems to be a big believer in him, and so it, it seems that there's going to be someone in every draft who reaches for him. So just how high are you willing to reach on Moncrief to make sure he's on your team? Round four, um, you know, and it's funny because my colleagues at CBS, uh, Dave Richard and Heath Cummings, for whatever reason, they're not drinking the Kool-Aid. And so <laughs> it, it, it's kind of every time I take him, uh, we had that IDP draft today and I took him in the fourth round and uh, I got the comment again, you know, uh, there well, there goes Jamie taking Dante Moncrief too early again. <laughs> um, and it, it, the interesting thing about it was it was, you know, one of our rare drafts that we have other analysts and they were all like, oh, I can't believe he took Dante Moncrief in the fourth round. That pissed me off. <laughs> so... Um, I, I think you look at what this Colts offense could be and I'm just counting on Andrew Luck being healthy and, and playing like what Andrew Luck does. And this is a, a shift in the Colts, uh, you know, since Luck has been there because they've been running two tight end sets under Pep Hamilton with Fleener and with Dwayne Allen. We haven't seen a lot of three wide receiver sets. You're going to see a lot more of that this year. And Moncrief in the seven games that Andrew Luck played, he scored five touchdowns. So I'm still wow. you know, a little old school in, in, in the regard of uh, third-year receivers and, and the guys that have shown moderate success having the chance for a breakout season. I think he's one of those guys. 
And uh, by my count, there's 162 targets that have to be replaced from Kobe Fleener and Andre Johnson from last year. So obviously T.Y. Hilton gets a bump. Uh, Philip Dorsett certainly is going to get a big bump. You look at Dwayne Allen, what he's capable of doing. But Dante Moncrief is the starter, and, and he's a starter opposite Hilton. And, and you've seen some reports from beat writers that he could lead them in catches. I certainly think he's going to be one of their better red zone targets. So I'll buy into that all day. To me, he's a top 20 receiver coming into the year. And for dynasty leagues, the, ser- the scary thing is he just turned 23 two weeks ago. This guy has some serious potential. Well, this is, you know, going back to your Malcolm Mitchell question, this is the type of guy that, you know, has the room to grow with a young quarterback. And, yeah. you know, obviously T.Y. Hilton, I think, is still the alpha dog there, rightfully so, from what he's done. But Moncrief could easily be right there with him. And, and yeah, for, for dynasty purposes, he's got, he's got so much, so much upside, and he's going to be fun to watch this year. Every single podcast, I have to mention Sterling Shepard. I'm trying to convince all of our listeners to draft Sterling Shepard. Just do whatever it takes to get him on your team. And I see that you're also high in Sterling Shepard. So can you tell our listeners why they should draft him? Well, I, I think you look at the skill set in, in this offense, and he's you know almost a perfect fit because he'll get single coverage all day. He can play inside, can play outside. You know, and, and, and the nice thing about the Giants receivers, you know, e- even Beckham to an extent, but you know, if Cruz is healthy, uh, you know, Dwayne Harris is as well, those guys can both go inside outside. So they can move Shepard all around the formation. Um, Eli Manning has really taken the next step in his career over the last couple of seasons under Ben McAdoo, where he's cut down on the interceptions and really bought into, you know, not necessarily taking a lot of chances down the field and, and you know, running this ball control West Coast style offense. So I, I think Shepard is going to be a, a target magnet. He's going to have the opportunity to make a lot of plays. They have to replace eight touchdowns from Ruben Randall from a year ago. Um, I don't know if, if Shepard gets to that number, but you know, I think five to six is well within range. I think he's one of the rare rookie receivers that can get to a thousand yards receiving if he stays healthy. And, you know, 70 plus catches is well within reach too. So I, I think it's going to be a fun year for him and, and certainly one of those high upside number four, number three receivers, depending on where you view him. But, you know, certainly in, in leagues where you start three receivers and a flex, I have no problem with him as my flex guy. And now let's talk about Sammy Coates of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're 11 spots higher than ECR on him. You have him as your number 43 wide receiver. How high would you be willing to reach for Sammy Coates? Yeah, this is another one, again, with the uh, little bit of a rankings adjustment. He's going to come down a little bit. Okay. Uh, what we saw uh, in, in the preseason game, I, I think, is a little pause for you know concern, stop the hype train a little bit. Um, you know, the fact that he wasn't one of the guys that was resting, you know, and, and I don't think he needs to because he's a young guy and needs to be on the field. But, you know, four targets, three catches, two fumbles in those three catches, nice, uh, yeah. you know, that that's not good. And, you know, you just wonder if he's going to be one of those guys that rises to the occasion. The thing that I think, you know, people tend to overlook with um, veteran players, and I, I know the name I'm about to say is probably going to make some people throw up, but Darius Hayward Bay is a good <laughs> veteran player for what the Steelers want to do. He is not a good fantasy guy, but he's a good run blocker. He doesn't make uh, mistakes in terms of, you know, putting them in bad situations. And unfortunately, guys like that tend to be a little bit of a roadblock for young players. They clearly like Marcus Wheaton. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you remember, I think it was last year, two years ago, said, you know, he's going to be our breakout guy when everybody was pegging Martavis Bryant. And you saw Wheaton at the end of the season sort of play a little bit better than I think people are giving credit for. So upside, Coates has got tremendous upside. And he may have some very big moments. And, and I think when you look at who's the best replacement for Martavis Bryant, that's the first name you should go to. But again, I think, you know, if people are going to overdraft him, and again, uh, I may be guilty of that depending on if you drafted this week, you know, previous weekend and, you know, used our rankings on CBS. Uh, but it's just one of those situations, I think, when you, when you start to look at the receivers and 
in that group, uh, and especially guys that, you know, upside versus downside. And, and you start talking about some of the other rookies, Michael Thomas, Corey Coleman, um, you know, second, third year guys, Philip Dorsett, you know, um, Devin Funches. I don't know if, if Sammy Coates is necessarily better than all those guys. And so it's just a matter of great fit, great offense, great opportunity. Will he live up to it, though? That is what remains to be seen. I've been seeing him go so high in drafts, and, and I almost wonder how high he's going to climb, but I, I think he may have already reached his tip and start going backwards with those fumble concerns. Uh, Jamie, there's one more player I want to ask you about, and that's Jordan Matthews, who you're bearish on. Uh, at least you appear to be in your rankings. His ECR is number 29, and you have him at 39. Um, so can you explain why are you so low on Jordan Matthews this season? Well, I was higher on him before the injury, and, and I think you know now that he's going to miss some time and, and maybe miss the beginning of the season, you know, you got to be a little bit concerned. Uh, the fact that they're, you know, moving toward a three tight end set, you know, to sort of overcompensate for their lack of receivers. Obviously, Nelson Aguilar was, uh, you know, big bust last year. Hopefully, you know, whatever injuries he was dealing with, he can overcome that. But Matthews is is not really an outside guy, and I don't think you're gonna see a lot of three receiver sets where he could play, you know, and, and, and be in his natural position in the slot. His numbers last year were uh, obviously very. Uh, misleading, you know, he's so much garbage time production, um, which, you know, with the way that the Eagles were playing made sense. And clearly at the end of the day, you're, you're okay with whatever numbers you get. But I, I just think that when you start to, you know, nitpick between, you know, who's the better guys for you when you're comparing him to, let's say, Willie Sneed, who's in a better offense with a better quarterback, better passing situation, maybe Josh Gordon and what he's capable of doing if he comes back, um, you know, the, the younger guys that could, you know, step up and play at a, a very high level this year, guys like, Kevin White, maybe Tyler Lockett, depending on how he stocks up in terms of the ECR. Um, there's, there's just, you know, more negatives than positives with, uh, with Jordan Matthews. And then what happens if they do move to Carson Wentz at some point? Is, is Wentz the type of quarterback to elevate somebody like Jordan Matthews, or is Sam Bradford really what he needs? And, and that's a pretty scary proposition to say he needs yes, Sam Bradford it is. to make it better. <laughs> so I, I let somebody else take Jordan Matthews at that spot. I, I just don't really buy into him. Uh, having a better year than what he had last year. And last year, like I said, was a little bit disappointing. Jamie, before I let you go, I have one quick question. This is a personal one. I just thought of it, and I want to know what you think about this. If I have one more bench spot left, and I just want to take a flyer, who's one deep sleeper that you think I should add in that spot? If Jerry McKinnon qualifies, that's somebody I take in every league. Um, you know, I don't know how deep you're going, but he's, yeah. he's one of those guys that uh, – you know, I, I hope Adrian Peterson makes it through 16 games and still is the dominant guy that we've seen. But, you know, going back to what we said about or what I said about Forte, uh, 31 years old. You know, this is now his eighth full season, you know, in the league. You know, when you take away the, the year that he missed because of the suspension. And this is when, you know, guys tend to show that breakdown. He's clearly been superhuman. And, you know, hopefully that happens for one more year. But, um, you know, age and, and those concerns. And then, you know, can he still be dominant out of the shotgun? You know, does some frustration start to set in with him if he's not having one of his, you know, bigger stretch runs? So McKinnon is somebody I target just in case. You know, if if yeah. if, if we see the 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 David Johnson, the you know you know you were asking before, Kristen Michael, can he be one of those guys? It would not be a surprise at all if if, if Peterson, for whatever reason, again, hope it doesn't happen, but if he has one of those you know season-ending type of injuries, and Mike and uh, McKinnon steps in, and then is the guy next year because of Peterson's contract situation. This could be one of those next future stars in the NFL. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's great insight. And uh, Jamie, that's all the questions we have for you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I hope all of our listeners were taking detailed notes. Uh, I know that I'm going to listen to this and, and write a bunch of stuff down. So Jamie, thank you. 
Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Have a great week. That's all we have for you on the show today. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Then take a screenshot and tweet it to at Fantasy Pro for the Draft Wizard Hall of Fame contest. We'll have James Coe of NFL.com on later this week, so make sure to tune in for another great episode. This is Bobby Sylvester and producer J.P. Gale with the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all slow.